0: Way in those are in the back um, Justin was asking me when I when he I was standing up here, he said do you always wear a tie on Wednesday and I said I do I don't think this one matches though so just go ahead and ignore that let's take a vote okay let's, let's collect some scientific data as we like to do so often in here how many of you think that the tie and shirt match wow are you kidding me <laughs> sorry this side can you come closer? No, no. I'm not going to model it. It's not a runway, all right? This side, okay? All right. Well, now that I'm feeling extra self-conscious, because... What is your thoughts? colors match. It's just... It's just a lot of movement, isn't it? A lot of pattern. Okay? Okay, so let's take a... vote. Wow, I'm like sweating up here, all right? Let's take a vote one more time. How many think the tie and shirt match? okay thank you thanks for those of you. all right you know, my self-esteem is at least somewhat okay i didn't see very many girls hands which makes all the guys like yeah it's fine don't worry about it all right uh, <laughs> wow all right i would do that sometimes when we were in college like i would come to pick her up at her dorm and like by this point class is already getting ready to start or whatever so i don't have time to go change anything i was like does this match and she's like no, and I'm like, ah, well, too late now. I guess I'm wearing it all day, and everybody's just gonna think, man, he doesn't look very nice. And so, um, anyways, all right. Well, I had a, I had a, I don't know what he was. I guess a teacher that we would always tell him, like, your shirt and tie doesn't match. And he would always say, it doesn't match, but it goes. And it's like That's the same thing, and I don't feel like that that works. So it doesn't go, but it does match, or I don't know. Anyways, let's get to the Bible. All right, Revelation chapter number four, just to kind of catch some of you up to speed. uh, What we've been doing. If you're here visiting with us, those of you who are here every week, you're probably like, don't catch us up to speed anymore. We're tired of hearing the review. Well, okay, get over it, alright? Um, but Revelation chapter number 4 is where we're going to be tonight. And we're going to be looking at some popular verses, which I always try to give this disclaimer when we do that, is that don't overlook the principles within. In fact, I think that so many times the verses that we have memorized and become familiar with, we would have more trouble applying than ones that are maybe new to us. Um, we sometimes just assume, well, I've known this all my I know what it says, I know what it means, and so we're not always the greatest at applying it. But we've been in a series entitled The Christian Mind on both Sundays and on Wednesdays, and on Sundays, we've kind of been walking through different battles of the mind, and so can someone talk to me about what was one of the battles that we've talked about, we've talked about four so far. Battling distractions this past Sunday, what was, it doesn't have to be in order, does anybody remember another one? Depression. Depression, battling depression, what was another one? Temptation, distraction, we're missing one. Anybody remember? battling anxiety, stress, and worry. And so we've been looking at characters from Scripture, at how they handled some of the things that we are facing in today's society. And then on Wednesday, what we've been trying to do is give you a little bit more of a practical approach. And so in your notes there, what you have uh, under your verses is really the process that we laid out for how to develop the Christian mind. The first thing is that we want to restrict. And so what we talked about was that we want to step back, and if we don't like what our mind looks like, if we don't like the person that we are becoming as a result of what we're thinking about then we want to step back and we want to basically say let's restrict that I've used this illustration multiple times that if you don't like the water that is in the pond you don't just grab a bucket and start bailing it out what do you do you go upstream and you look at where it is coming from and how you can treat what is flowing into it and so we want to restrict what is flowing into our minds but then we also want to refocus unfortunately we do not have the luxury of taking our mind and just not thinking about anything, okay? That You can't just become really a vegetable and just, uh, okay? You have to focus your mind on something, and our goal is to not just restrict that which is hurting our mind, but to refocus our minds on certain things <laughs> that are biblical, that are Christ-like, and that will actually improve and enhance what we are doing for Christ, not distract us from it. And so tonight we're moving into what we are saying as refocusing our motives. Now, I'm going to have to get you to the point to where we understand the attachment that this has to the mind, but I think this may very well be the most important thing. Can anybody tell me, what did we talk about refocusing last week? I'll give you a hint. Mmm... Thank you. Meditation, all right? Refocusing our meditation. And so we talked about what are we thinking about? What are we meditating on? What are we spending our days thinking about? And so tonight we're going to talk about refocusing your motives. Let's look at Revelation chapter number 4, verse 11. The Bible says this, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I want you to skip down and look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 31. The verse that you'll recognize, but we'll actually read down through the end of the chapter. In verse number 33, the Bible says this, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved." I don't know that you can completely grasp verse number 31 unless you understand verse number 33. Paul is writing, he says, no matter what you do, do it to the glory of God. Well, what is the point behind that? He very clearly says that he pleases all men in all things. Why? Not so that he is the one that profits from it. He says, but so that others may profit. And then that last phrase, so that they may be saved. And here's what I want you to see is many of the problems in your mind come from motives that are not godly. And so we're going to talk about that tonight, talk about refocusing your motives. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your word. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to, the, to really study something that I believe is so prevalent in our society, so applicable to where we're at today. And Lord, I believe that many in this room probably are at a point in their life to where they are understanding the importance of what they think about, of what they give their mind to. So God, I ask you to help us to take your word, to apply that to our hearts and to our lives. And Lord, may we truly be able to say that we are focused on you and what you would have us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. How many of you, you've ever heard someone say the phrase, motives matter? Motives matter, all right? Most of the time we say that is because you can look at people's actions and while their actions may be the same, their motives do matter. Let me prove it to you, okay? You can go up and you can, um, we're going to, this is a singles class, so we're going to dream for just a second that you get the boldness to go up and talk to either a guy or a girl, Okay? Now if you think that that girl is pretty and like you think that you're, maybe are gonna consider dating her, that you want to, you're showing interest in her, that you're going to pursue her, then guess what? Your actions may be the same as the guy who walks up who may not think she's pretty, and may not be interested in dating her, but is just gonna be simply friendly to her. Your actions may be the same, but your motives are going to be different, aren't they? And many times, based off of your motives, well, it will even begin to manifest itself in your actions. Someone can walk up to a girl or a guy that they're interested in, and they can say hi, and the person that is not interested in them can say hi, and the person who said hi is gonna follow it with a <laughs> giggle, right? Like, oh my goodness, they said hi to me. This is probably more elementary school than college. If you're still doing that, there's probably a good chance you're not going to get a date afterwards, all right? Oh my goodness, they said hi to me, okay? Don't, that's not, this isn't a dating class, but if if it was, that would not be how to handle that situation, all right? Your motives do matter, don't they? You can have the exact same actions as someone else, and yet because your motive may be different, you will see a different result. There are people that can give someone a $20 bill and they can have no motive in it at all other than to be a blessing, and there can be someone else who can give someone a motive, uh, give someone a $20 bill with the underlying motive of that they want them to be eternally great. Remember that time I bought that cheeseburger for you? And you hold it over their head. Their actions were the same, but their motives were different. Now here's how that association with the mind is that for many of us here's what we have done. We have allowed our minds to become distracted with ulterior motives that promote us to the top rather than God. We've allowed our minds to become distracted by focusing on ulterior motives that push and promote us rather than God. We say, well, my motive is that I want to be happy. Well, guess what? You follow that line of reasoning long enough, you're going to end yourself up in a very dark place. You say, well, my motive is that I want to be rich. Guess what? You follow that line of reasoning long enough, you're going to end up making some decisions that are purely based on that motive. But if you can step back and you can develop your mind in a biblical motive, in a sacred and holy motive, then it has a way of influencing your mind. And so for us, what we are called to do as Christians is this. Rather than living life with carnal motives, rather than living life with fleshly and ungodly motives, as a Christian, we are called to step back and to refocus our motives on what God says to focus them on. Which, according to the verses that we just read, are for His glory, are for the salvation of others, and not for our own profit. Now I want to ask you a question. Does those, do those three attributes given from Scripture, do they describe your motive in life? That God would be glorified, that others would be saved, and that you would not profit from it. How many times do we base a decision purely off of how it profits us? Sometimes even what we do that is good. Isn't it a sad state in society to where the only time that we are willing to do good is because it makes us feel good? Oh, I love serving at the food bank. It just makes me feel so happy. Well, what if it didn't make you feel happy? Would you still do it? Your motives do matter. And if you're not careful, you will only do that which is selfish, that which is carnal, and that which profits you, rather than following the biblical line of motives and, and reasoning by following that which glorifies God, that, that which saves or leads to the salvation of others, and that which does not profit yourself. So let's ask ourselves four questions to kind of develop this thought. First of all is this, what is your motive? What is your motive? You say that is a very open-ended question. Well, let me read the main idea there in your notes as well. Wrong motives force the mind to become inward-focused rather than Godward and outward-focused. I want to read that again. Wrong motives force the mind to become inward-focused rather than Godward and outward-focused, okay? Which leads us to this question, what is your motive? What is your motive? If your motive is not to glorify God, if your motive is not the salvation of others, if your motive is not to be something that profits yourself, then what is your motive, okay? step back and ask yourself and look at some of the decisions that you made this week what was your reasoning behind them behind them was it purely inward focused or was it outward focused was it Godward focused most of what we do in a week's time what do we base it off of? well this will bring me joy this will bring me happiness this will bring me peace I'm gonna buy this because I'm in the mood to buy something I need ice cream I need coffee I need this. Many of our decisions are based off of what we need rather than taking those same actions and pointing them Godward and pointing them outward to others. So what is your motive? Now here's the truth. Is when you watch, maybe if you've watched ever like a crime documentary or whatever, what's one of the first things that they start talking about? Well, what's the motive? What's the motive? In fact, most, most of the time if you watch a documentary, they string out that question of what is the motive the whole time, don't they? Well, we don't know the motive. So they give you like 15 different options. And like if you're watching it, someone like me who like, my whole life is built on efficiency. I'm like, just tell us. Like, you guys know, just tell us, okay? Quit, as, quit making me listen to 45 interviews and someone's saying, well, it could have been this, it could have it been this. And like they find that one little piece of evidence, and they're like, oh, but this is a new t- twist. It's like, no, it's not. Just tell us. Sheesh. Like, okay? We spend all this time trying to focus on what is someone's motive. But the truth is, is that only you can diagnose your motive in life. Only you can diagnose your motive in life. People can step back and they can look at maybe how you act. They can maybe look at some of your characteristics. They can look at some of your character traits. But the truth is, is that between you and God, only you can diagnose your motive. Now here's the trick to that. Is that if you're not careful, you will spend more time trying to convince other people that you have pure motives rather than just developing pure motives. I want to repeat that because I think that's the world we live in. If you're not careful, you will spend more time trying to convince someone else that you have pure motives rather than just develop pure motives. How many times have you been sitting with someone... You've been maybe trying to, maybe it's a confrontational conversation, maybe it's something that's uncomfortable, and you say, you know what, as a result of you doing this, or you did this, you did this, you acted like this, you said this, I'm really starting to question whether or not you want to do this, okay? Maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's an employee. Maybe it's a fellow student. Maybe it's someone on a group project. You know what? You didn't show up for this study time. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And so I'm really starting to question do you even care if we get a good grade? that's a valid question based off of their actions and most of the time what's someone's response they get defensive no 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 no. I want us to get a good grade I want, I'm, I'm fine I'm all in I'm committed I'm I'm this uh, man I love you I love you like you're you're my boo thing like they start automatically trying to protect themselves don't they rather than just stepping back and saying you know what I'm not focused on that I was focused on myself Very rarely do you confront someone and they're just like, you're right, I'm selfish, I'm a loser, let's move on. Okay? Why? Because it is human nature for us to defend our motives rather than just develop pure motives from the start. And here's what I want you to see. Is that as a Christian, you should be marked by the purity of your motives. Meaning that when you show up to work and you show up 15 minutes early and you do the job that you want to do, it should not be for promotion, okay? There will be people that will obviously accuse you of, oh man, they're just kissing up, they're just trying to get close to the bus, they're just trying to make all of us look bad. Your motives as a Christian, you should be able to look someone in the eye and say, no, I'm just trying to do what's right. I'm just trying to glorify God i'm just trying to let others see that there's something different in me but too many times we as christians adopt the same impure motives in our life and then we have to reel and defend when everybody accuses us of something different rather than just saying i'm going to build a pure motive from the beginning so first of all what is your motive only you can identify that and this is the this next question will help you with that what is the source of your motive so if we're peeling back the onion layers of a motive scripturally here's what we have to come to we understand that really our whole life is based off of the flesh and the spirit okay you can probably define those in a couple of different ways but really it's either fleshly tendencies or spiritual tendencies if you can drill down to the source of your motive most of the time you will be able to diagnose whether it is fleshly or whether it is spiritual. Whether it is carnal or whether or not it is from God. Meaning this, that if you say, you know what, I'm, try- I'm struggling with what my motives are here. Step back and ask yourself, who does this benefit more, me or God? Who does, this, who, does this, who does this really promote, me or God? Is this something that makes me look good or is this something that makes God look good? So what is the source of our motive? If you say, I'm still struggling, still trying to to diagnose that, then this third question will hopefully help you and we'll close with the fourth question and spend the rest of our time there, and that is this. If If you cannot diagnose, you say, I don't know what my motive is, I don't know what the source of my motive is, then let's play the game where you skip into the future and let's ask this question. What is the outcome of your motive? What is the outcome of your motive? If you spend 20-30 years going down the same road that you are right now who will be impacted will God be glorified or will you be sitting there looking at how you profited off of your motive now let me just go ahead and, and maybe revoke the gainsay into the naysayers for just a second I am NOT going to stand up here and say that the Christian life calls you to be broke poor ugly and not invested in yourself okay that's not what I'm saying What I am saying is this, is that everything that we do according to Revelation 4.11, according to 1 Corinthians 10.31, should not be marked by how it makes us look, but how it makes God look. Meaning this, that if you go and you make money, and you make as much as you can, praise the Lord for it, Okay? But it should not be so that others can see you. It should be so that others may see God through you. We have to be so careful about that in today's society. Well, I'm going to go and do this. And I'm, the Christian life doesn't call you to be unsuccessful. It calls you to acknowledge God in your success. How many people start out as maybe a Christian and they start out in the business world and all of a sudden they, they rise and they, they get promoted and they get platformed and all of a sudden now what got them there, the God who got them there is not even a distant memory for them. I heard a phrase this past week listening to a podcast where it says we are so quick to often platform charisma that does not follow character. Meaning this, that you have someone who rises to the top, they're successful, they have this big personality, and what do we do? Man, look at them! Oh, wow! So we platform charisma, and before you know it, the character does not keep up with the charisma. That they're this big name, they're this big person, and guess what, 5, 10, 15 years down the road, we find out that they fall, that they were struggling in sin, that they were being a part of things that they should have never been a part of. Why? Because we platform charisma rather than character. And for us as Christians, what we have to step back and say is at every stage of our life, that we want to continue to follow and pursue the outcome of our motive. Which means that if you get money, the outcome of that should be that others heard the gospel as a result of it. If you get promoted in your company, the result of that should be because God is glorified. If you have something that, if you get promoted in your education or at your university or whatever, the outcome should be that others see God in you. You should be quick to reflect the praise of men back to your God rather than turn it and face it on yourself. So what is the outcome of your motive? You say, what is my motive? You know what, right now this is what I'm pursuing. Right now, I'm pursuing happiness. Right now, I'm pursuing joy. Right now, I'm pursuing financial peace. Right now, I'm pursuing this, I'm pursuing that. Okay, let's step back and let's ask ourselves: is that a source of spirituality or carnality? And if you have trouble diagnosing that, then let's run the race into the future and say, what is the outcome of my motive? And then the last thing is this, the question that we want to ask ourselves is what is a biblical motive? The ones that I gave you from the two passages that we read are really just a snippet into what God can do with your motives. Now here's what I want you to see. And we'll close with this thought. When we talk about the Christian mind, here's, the, I guess, the connection between what we're talking about today. Is that if your motives are wrong, it is going to lead you to a place that is also wrong. If your motives are warped, if your motives are purely pleasure, if your motives are purely joy, if your motives are purely based on yourself then don't be surprised in 10 to 20 to 30 years if you look back and as a Christian you have done nothing that glorifies God you have done nothing that profits anybody but yourself and you have not seen anyone saved as a result of the life that you have lived don't be surprised by that and here's the way that most Christians live we build up these motives, whether it be because of social media or whether it be because we're trying to keep up with someone else or we're trying to impress someone else or we're, we're healing from wounds and so we have to give off this big persona or whatever it may be, okay? We're not going to drill down into all of the, the issues behind it. Here's what I want you to see, though. Is it any wonder why the minds of Christians are just as pickled as the minds of the world? We look at someone who's chasing after everything that they want. Maybe they're living some wild lifestyle. And we look at them and we say, man, I would never fall into that trap. But if all of a sudden you got a job that gave you a pay raise for $25,000 and it cost you an opportunity to maybe be in church, cost you an opportunity to maybe serve somewhere, well, you would jump on that pretty quick, wouldn't you? And so we look at someone and we say, well, I would never do that. And yet for many of us, it's just that we go and we find someone else's vice that may appear worse than ours and never step back and see that our motives are the exact same. And rather than finding pure motives, and here's, I I wish so bad that I could get you to grasp onto this. Rather than just going and finding our joy and our peace and our contentment in Christ... We have to go and find it in things that are still Christian-ish, Christian-ish, right? Well, it's not wrong to make money. Well, I didn't go and live some party lifestyle. Yeah, but you gave yourself to your job and you dropped your family and and maybe you ticked people off along the way and you stepped on every head to climb to the top of the ladder. Did you actually do something moral and, and Christian and that glorified God? No. You just didn't do something that the rest of the world looks at and says, wow, that's really bad. But you still did something that was searching inside your soul and inside your mind to find peace and to find joy and to find contentment. Let me give you a personal illustration of this, okay? Probably for the first couple years of ministry, I might cut this off the podcast too, sorry, or YouTube channel, okay? I will be very honest when I say that probably the first couple years that I taught Crosspoint and that maybe even served in ministry that I naturally associated possibly my joy, my fulfillment, and my contentment off, and more than that, peace, whatever you want to say, purpose, off of how successful I was in ministry. Okay? The difficult thing is that no one really gives you a hard time because you're looking at numbers in your... Class, or you're looking at maybe success from how many people you're seeing saved or the people that you're impacting no one sees that as unspiritual do they when you start to talk about it, when you start to say, man you know what we we took it like when we took a class we took it from this and now we're seeing more people say people normally are going to pat you on the back because it sounds good right it's a good thing to do but at some point it becomes unfair to the people that I lead for you to be responsible for my joy and my fulfillment. All of a sudden, now the pressure is passed on to you to where now if we don't grow, if we don't see people saved, if we don't see people impacted, if we don't see people changed, well then guess what? We better get with it. And so my motive is no longer that God be glorified and that souls be saved and that lives be changed. My goal is simply so that I have something to talk about and brag about to give me peace and joy and fulfillment. The same is true when you start to get married, when you start to date. It is unfair for me to expect that woman to be my main source of joy. When I walk in the house, it's, it, now the expectation level isn't, okay, did you make the, did you make the meal that I want? Did, are we, is everything cleaned up? Is, there, is this happening? How's the kids? Like Are they all standing there on their bow ties and like, saluting, like ready for Dad to come home? That is unfair for me to expect that my joy has to come from her. And so what you end up doing is you say, well, it's not sin, it's not wrong, you're right. But your motive is wrong. And so rather than finding your joy and your contentment and your peace in God and in Christ, now you're having to force everyone. You're constantly having to work everybody. Well, I'm not going to be happy until I get this job promotion. I'm not going to be happy until I get this girl. I'm not going to be happy until I get this boy. I'm not going to be happy until I get through this or until I... And so all we're doing is we're saying, I have to do this. I have to work around this. I have to talk to this person that way. I have to make sure to drop hints to so-and-so so that they know when they talk to them, hey, so-and-so's interested in you. Rather than just saying, you know what? I'm going to do right, and I'm going to follow God, and I'm going to let Him be the source of my joy. And then every little thing that He leaves along the way is just a cherry on top. It's just something else that I can say, well, praise the Lord for it. Thank you, God, for giving me that. Thank you, God, for for giving me that blessing. Rather than constantly having to work to earn your own blessings. Does that make sense? Do you guys see that? Do you see that in your own life? That the times in your life to where you are trying to base your joy off of someone else, you're putting both you and that person in a position to be let down and to let you down. To where now... A perfect, holy, and righteous God is not the source of your joy, but you've placed that in the hands of an imperfect and often sometimes skewed person just as much as you are. And if you're not careful, your motives will begin to pickle your mind to the point to where you will begin to focus and be distracted by them rather than just developing the pure motives that God has called us to. Rather than just saying, you know what, I'm here to glorify God, and that means that sometimes life stinks. That means that sometimes I don't have the answer. That means that sometimes I don't get the job promotion. That means sometimes I don't get the guy that I want, and sometimes I don't get the girl that I want, and sometimes I don't get the grade that I want. But my motive is still the same. What I'm going to choose to do is I'm going to choose to glorify God, to not make my life about myself and profit myself and so that others may be saved. Let's pray, and we'll open up some discussion with you guys there in your groups, and then we'll... Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else, or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.